Hello and welcome to MacBytes episode 78. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. In this episode, iOS 7 Adventures, Descent in the Ranks and A Moggy on the Loose at MacBytes headquarters. And a few other interesting tidbits. See what I did there? Now, don't start. Sorry. Okay, let's start with uh, something from the last show. We talked about uh, Wimaway, didn't we, amongst other things. And we heard from Kev, big in VA, who said, following a review of Wimaway in 77, Mike, I heard you talking about wanting something to keep your work Windows PC awake. Well, here's something I've used for years and it doesn't even require any installation. Something I like that because, as everyone knows who listens to the show, I work in a locked down environment where I can't even install any software. If they took uh, the keyboard what? away, you'd do much better. Yes, mm. but uh, what Kev sent me was a link to something called Caffeine. Uh, it's not the same app as Caffeine on the Mac, but it is called Caffeine, Caffeine for Windows. So you download a zip file, which contains an exe. You copy, the, well, I copied the exe to a folder and you just run it. It doesn't need any installation, as Kev says. It actually just runs the exe. I think you can configure it to start on boot up, but it does actually work. It keeps your uh, PC awake. Uh, I tried it in a course last week. I actually forgot to run it. So I was in this course and I was talking away and after 10 minutes, my screensaver kicked in and I thought, oh, I should have really run uh, caffeine at the start of this course. So I stopped what I was doing. I ran caffeine and for the rest of the course, it worked a treat. Uh, my screensaver didn't kick in. My PC didn't go to sleep. So it meant no more dashes to the front of the training room to wiggle the mouse or anything like that. No, you don't so want to wiggle anything in a training course. No. So uh, thanks for that, Kev. Great tip, great piece of software, and it's working well for me. I shall have to try that on my VM, although that tends not to sleep anyway. I don't like my VM, you know. Don't you? No, I was trying to do something today in it. Um, I'd updated Windows. I'd run my Windows update. I was being very good. And I sat there. I've not used Windows in a while. You know, it's a good three months since, since I had the need. And I sat there and I thought, I wanted to run Internet Explorer. Couldn't for the life of me remember how. You know, because you've got that, what's that, that tile business. Yes, Metro. Yes, was. well, it wasn't on there because I'd, I'd taken it away in my wisdom and I'd replaced it with uh, Chrome. And I couldn't for the life of me find the equivalent of the apps folder. So in the end, I used Chrome and had done with it and it worked. That yeah. was fine. Fair enough. Yes, but uh, I do have a Windows machine. I could try that on. So if, if I had a sort of... Um, what a free three days or so so i could boot it up run the updates reboot it update fusion update the vm again then run a windows update again i could try it couldn't i you could try it but you know the thing is you don't need to because all you need to do is go into your control panel settings and tell it never to sleep uh the problem we have at work is is it forces the screensaver to kick in after 10 minutes and then the machine to go to sleep after another five i'm impressed you think i i can remember where the control panel is very impressed. I was going to say the start button, but there isn't one now on Windows I 8, said system there? preferences and then did a search for it and wondered why I couldn't find it. I'm best yeah. left alone leaving Windows to itself, I'm afraid. Should we move on? We should move on to Alistair and his continuing search for document perfection. He's found another one, you know. Has he? He, he has. He has found iDocument 2 um, and he's thinking it could um, help in his management, but he's not confident it's a solution. It is quite expensive, uh, iDocument 2. It's £34.99 or $49.99. Um, and what it promises looks quite interesting. Um, 
It is to provide document management, but as Alistair's searching for security, um, the security aspect of it is not quite what he's looking for, but he was interested in it. So I had a look at it and the icon looked familiar. But then lots of icons look familiar to me. And then I wondered if I had the light version, because if you wanted to try it, there is a light version which has a maximum of 300 documents. So just to give it a go, I mean, 300 documents would let you give it a bit of a go, wouldn't it? True. So I'll put the links in the show notes. And then I remembered why it looked so familiar. I bought a bundle in uh, September and it was called the Stack Social Bundle. You should remember this. Yes, because I bought it as well. Yes, that's the one. I've got this that it was £10 for 10 apps, at $10 rather for 10 apps. And I know one of them was, but I also bought a more expensive bundle. But I'm thinking the Stack Social one, the reason that I bought this bundle, that's why I can't remember what was in it. I bought it solely for the reason it had Camtasia for Mac in it, which alone is $99. And I think I paid around $10 for this bundle. It was one of these things where you paid what you wanted, but if you paid a minimum that they suggested, you got all the apps in it. So I you think only we paid $13.42 or something. I remember having a bit of an issue, but <laughs> things were frantic here at the time. So yeah. Yeah, around the $10 to $15 mark, which for, for me, for a licence for Camtasia, was stunning value. And I must admit, I did not look at all the other apps. But this app was one of the ones that was included in the bundle. So once I'd searched my machine, up it came with a receipt for this bundle. And I must admit, I hadn't even downloaded it and had a look. But the app itself seems to sit between the user and a range of online services like Dropbox, Box, SkyDrive, etc. And the idea is that it provides you a single location to manage and search for files stored on those services. I quite like the sound of that because I do sometimes wonder which online service I've put a document in. Most of the time, obviously, I use Dropbox like everybody else. But there is Copy and Copy is very fast. So I like using Copy. Um, Box, I have a lot of storage. I think I got the 50 gig free on that. So I use that too. And I use SkyDrive because it links in so well with the Office apps. So my documents could be on any of those services. And if I had a single location to look at them on the Mac, that would be a huge benefit. So I'm looking forward to hearing about Alistair's adventures with it. So um, have a good look at it, Alistair, and let me know while I'm playing with Camtasia. We did actually get two bundles recently, didn't we? This was what was confusing me. Yeah. Well, one of them had um, an app called PDF Converter Master. And um, as you all know, how many times I get asked at work to convert a PDF to Word, PowerPoint or whatever. And this app does just that. It You you run the app and you just drag the document onto the app's interface, choose the format that you want uh, from a drop-down list, hit convert and job done. And it works very well, apparently. It does. It does. I actually took a PowerPoint. No, I took a PDF file that somebody gave me at work, brought it home and just as a one off, did it uh, back to PowerPoint. And it did work very well. I always think that kind of job works better if the file came from PowerPoint in the first place. I think it probably did. But you know what? 
we've lost the original or we never had the oh, original. Oh, there's a surprise. Yes. Delete the master. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Just just delete the, them all. Never mind. Yes, but the thing is, the thing is they get PDFs from outside companies, so they never had the original. So you can't blame the users all the time. No, admittedly, and I've had that situation myself, but I always think if you've if you never had the original, what on earth are you doing changing the PDF? <laughs> well, yes, exactly. There is that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a lot of the time it's well, we found this on a website and we quite like it and we'd like to, to change all the contact details and put our contact details in and then morally I have a problem with that. <laughs> and they'll say to me, Can can we do that? And it's like, Well, yes, you can, in theory. But, you know, is this something you really want to do, copyright-wise? But sometimes I get people giving me a document and it's in a PDF and they say, can you make that a Word document? And when I actually look at the properties, you know, it came from InDesign. And the answer to that is to some degree, but it's never going to be a fully editable Word file because it never was in the first place. And that's the problem with those things. But Absolutely, if it's a PowerPoint file and it came from PowerPoint and PowerPoint's an option, then you should just be able to reverse engineer it. And that was, I think that one was from the free bundle, wasn't it? Uh, I think so. I can't remember. But like you if said, you we... missed that free bundle, there are a million of those apps in the App Store, you know. Are there? Oh, absolutely. Good. Some of them are, are incredibly expensive for what they do, considering that one was free and works so well. You know, you could pay up to $40 for something that does that. Mm. But there's at the other end of the scale, there's free ones. There's ones at 69 pence. Um, a lot of the time, if, if you keep your eye out for, for offers in the App Store, those are the types of apps that you'll get free for a couple of days. So uh, well worth well worth looking at if you have the need to unbake the cake, as it were. Talking at the App Store, this story about um, Apple offering app compatibility for older devices looks interesting. Um, not that I would use it myself, I don't think, because my my older devices are an old um, iPhone 3G. Is it 3G or 3GS? We've it was a 3G. 3G. Um, but I only have minimal apps on there. And also the iPad 1. Again, I only have minimal apps on there. So it's not something... I, I guess when I when I update the apps on there, some will come up with the message. Um, but I, you know, I tend not to, to update those uh, devices that often, I must admit. Well, I put this in here because we talked about it last time and I said it's all very well rushing forward with new versions of apps, but sometimes you need the old ones. And I said, and, and Apple aren't going to listen to that. And guess what? <laughs> the very next day they did. <laughs> so obviously somebody at Apple is listening to MacBite. So hello, all the Apple people. And I think it's a great idea. Um, it really bugs me when older versions disappear, uh, and particularly for iOS, because it's it's horrible trying to manage iOS apps outside of iTunes. You know, obviously you can go into the files of iTunes and you can get the actual installation files and you can make backup copies. And I do frequently. But to be able to, you know, if you're out, like I said last time, if you're out and you need to update it and you've only got the new one and your app can't, I think it's brilliant. I think it's a great idea. I would extend it further than that, though, which is that, like I said, the last few versions in case there is a technical problem with an update. So nothing to do with the fact that your device can no longer be updated on the OS side, just literally being able to roll back. Um, this week, something happened that just sort of brings that into real clear focus. There's an app called Get iPlayer Automator, legality of which I'm not going to discuss, <laughs> though you use at your own peril. But the idea of it is um, it 
is a GUI interface over the top of a script, um, the iPlayer Automator script. And the idea is that you can then download programs from the iPlayer. So if you're in the UK, it just works with no proxy. If you're outside the UK, you're going to need a proxy. But um, when it works, it works brilliantly. Well, an update came out to it and um, I must admit, I don't really sit there and think, should I update this? I, I just update stuff. Um, and I updated this and I downloaded a file. It downloaded fine and then the whole app crashed. So I thought, unusual. It's not done that for a long, long time. So I started it up again and set it going on another program. And in the meantime, one of my Twitter followers came on and said, you know, public service announcement, do not upgrade the iPlayer Automator, it is crashing right and left. And I thought, aha, that explains what's wrong with it. So I went back and said, hmm, too late, you know, updated it as soon as it said. It was a problem with it. It was crashing literally all over the place. It would download, he said he could get it to download one file, but I must admit, uh, it was crashing sometimes as soon as I ran it. So I thought, no problem, I'll just roll it back, which was exactly what he said. No problem, he would roll it back. What I have is a folder of, uh, it, they shouldn't be there, I will admit it. I am a little bit behind with my filing. My digital filing is um, falling over. So I've got this folder and there's about 50 gig of installation files in it. And what I do is, once I've installed it, I put the installation file in this folder. I think it's got to be filed at the end of it. You know the type, don't you? I do, I think. I have one somewhere. A folder full of things to be filed. Anyway, in there, there must be a couple of thousand files. And there was 1.5.3 of Get iPlayer Automator. So I just unpacked it and installed it over the top of 154. No problem. I was back in business. Um, but my Twitter contact was not. What he was going to do was, oh, he, he said to me, I don't need to have the installation. I've got Time Machine. I'll just roll it back on Time Machine. And I thought, well, you know, as everybody knows, I don't use Time Machine. No idea how it works. Don't care how it works. If you want to roll it back that way, fine. And that was OK for five minutes until he came back mortified. It wouldn't roll back. Now, as far as I know, Time Machine, the concept of it was um, it just works. Hands off. Leave it to Apple. Is that what you took from it? That's what I take from it, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the thing that put me off it is, and I could have a Time Machine backup as well as every other backup I've got. What put me off it was I just, I could never see me completely restoring a machine from a Time Machine backup. You know, when you get a new Mac and you go through it and you get to a point where you've registered it and stuff and it says, right, how do you want to set this Mac up? And Time Machine's an option. And the experience that I've heard of people is that it takes an inordinate length of time to restore, if you will. So restore the, your content into a new uh, OS X installation. So I made the decision I'm never going to use that. So I didn't bother. But the thing is, once you've got it installed and, it, and it's working, I, I guess you just assume that it's working. And the only way to test that time machine would, would be to wipe your machine and try and restore it. Try and restore it onto another machine, which presupposes you've got one. The time that's going to take and the messing it's going to take, how many people actually bother to do that? I don't see I don't see if I had a time machine, I would waste the time, would you? No, I wouldn't. I would just have to assume that it was working and put in place other backup options in the event that it wasn't working. So what I do is just clone the entire machine. I have had to test a clone, but testing a clone is a whole lot easier than testing a time machine. Because to test a clone, all I have to do is boot to it. If it boots and all my stuff's there, it's working. 
and that's it i'm done to test a time machine i think would take longer and much more planning so he was sat there with a perfect time machine backup apparently and the rollback failed so he started researching it because he then realised that none of his apps were backed up at all. So he went into the time machine, um, he could see what he couldn't roll back, and he then drilled down a little bit further to the file system to find out that no, he couldn't roll back any applications at all. So what had happened was, at some point, because originally it was backing up the apps and it was fine, at some point it, start, it started to stop backing the apps up, if you're with me, just in fact, it didn't even have the apps up to a point in time. They just vanished. There were no apps whatsoever in the time machine backup. All the documents were there, but no apps at all. So if his hard drive had failed and he'd had to use this time machine backup to restore it, there would have been no applications there. So I don't really think if there's no applications, OK, you get your documents back, but you would have a complete rebuild job, which is how I do mine anyway. I always think with a new machine, it's worth rebuilding it from scratch, just so I've got none of those free apps that you try that make like windy sounds and then you don't use them again. Those ones. So they're not there. <laughs> so um, he freaked out. It wasn't working. He found a very good link to a huge long discussion on the um, Apple forums, which I will put in the show notes. And it's a known issue. That, that warms the cockles of your soul, doesn't it? It's a known, a known issue. issue. Mm. Not one of those. Yes. No, it doesn't work. That There's something in there and um, it's not working correctly. Some people have got the problem going back to as far as December 2012 and there's still no fix in place. So if you are using a time machine, do check that it is backing up what you think it's backing up. Uh, and if you are in any way uncertain, have a look at this thread, which does give you a solution. But it's a solution, I think, that could be beyond who time machine backups are actually aimed at. The, the techie amongst us wouldn't think twice about editing a P-list. But I thought about my, my poor dad. I thought about giving him a time machine, thinking it would save me work. There's no way he'd be editing a P-list. Well, not intentionally, anyway. So if you are using it and you think that it, there may be a problem there is a fix but you will need to be a little bit adventurous and uh, edit a p-list file to make it work but i can reliably inform you from my contact on twitter that he has done that and it did back up all that he needed it to back up so all his apps got backed up took the best part of three hours because it needed to back up 50 gigs worth of stuff but it is now done so there is a way to back it up but point being originally before i just started discussing time machine if there is new versions of apps please leave the old ones available because you know he didn't have a way to get that back there was nowhere to go and download that that you could be safe and know that that was the original file. Somebody could say, oh, here's an old version of it. And you could find that, yes, it's an old version of it, but there's a Trojan in it or something. I actually had the original installer. But if I'd updated that application from within the application, I wouldn't have done. You know, when it comes up and says there's an update and you just yeah. say install it, you don't get the installer. You can't back that up somewhere. So usually when that happens to me with an app, I'll say, yep, OK, go and install it. And then when I go to Mac update... I'll look down the list and anything that I do use, I'll back up again. I'll just download them all and then I'll put them in this folder. You know, the to be filed sometime never folder, that one. Good job there's a good search on a Mac, isn't there? So, um, so that's that's one of the problems, I think, with um, these these quick updates that then 
give you problems and you cannot roll back. Very sound advice. Another thing that came to mind in relation to that was 1Password. Um, there is a new version of 1Password out. I was on the beta and I love it. I love version 4. I know some people are having huge problems with it um, in terms of synchronizations and the fact that they don't like the interface, but I actually did like it. Um, what struck me was when we discussed this at the time, 1Password decided to put their application in the App Store. They did not have a new version of the application to put in the App Store. So what they said at the time, and this was a good couple of years ago, I think. Do you remember t t discussing it? I remember discussing it, yeah. Yeah, what they said was, if you buy version 3 again from the App Store, or if you buy it for the first time from the App Store, well, then we will give you a free update to version 4, whenever that is available. Um, and the key thing here was, moving forward, we are only going to distribute via the App Store. So I thought, well, in that case, you may as well buy it. You could wait for version 4, but there was absolutely no benefit to you in waiting for version 4, because if you bought version 3, you would get version 4 for free, was the theory. So um, I must admit, I did. And... Um, on my other machines, as I updated to version 4 when it came out, and they kept their word, it was free, um, there was a couple of things that I found very strange about the update and that I would still have questions about. If you had version 3 and you only wanted, you know, you didn't want to go in the store, so you didn't pay twice, you decided you would wait for version 4, um, you couldn't update on launch day. Only... App Store customers could update. There was no way to buy this thing outside the App Store. Now, if you think about it, that's what they said would happen. We were going Mac App Store only, was what they said. They've now decided that they're not, and they are going to carry on providing it out of the App Store. But unfortunately, on launch day, people couldn't upgrade because they didn't have it available for sale from their website, which was odd. The issue for me was I've got a Snow Leopard machine and this machine can't go any higher. I might be able to put Lion on it, but I don't think it would run great. So it's quite happy on Snow Leopard. I'm quite happy with it on Snow Leopard. Uh, but 1Password 4 needs either Lion or Mountain Lion. So I had to leave it at 1Password 3. That was fine. It still synchronizes via Dropbox and I'm happy with that. The problem I have is the version on this machine was from the App Store and because they've replaced 1Password 3 with 1Password 4, there's no way to download an old version. So if I had to rebuild this machine up to Snow Leopard, where would I get 1Password 3 from? Good question. And I'm not sure that, that I did go through... Not you know, your time machine backup. No, I, I wouldn't find <laughs> it on my time machine backup. I can assure you, my non-existent time machine backup. What I thought would happen was maybe it would be in my purchase history because I've bought ScreenFlow from there and I've got the old version of ScreenFlow and the new version of ScreenFlow. They're two separate apps. So I can still download the old versions of some apps, but not with 1Password because to give it you free, it's the same app as far as the App Store is concerned, which means I can't download it and now I can't install it. So I'm all right, actually, because I did have 1Password 3 direct from Agile Bits with a, a serial number. So I could install it that way. But it's a bit off, isn't it, if you couldn't and you only had it from the App Store? It is. Because it's... now it's listed as, OK, here's 1Password 4. It's, it's just like it's the same as an incremental update. But I can't install it on Snow Leopard. 
So that was a bit of a problem. And the other thing I noticed with that, I, I, I gave you the link and, and I was tittering away to myself. Um, there was so many people complaining that it was a paid for update uh, outside the app store. Did, did you see all that? I didn't read them all. I saw one or two of them. I've got the idea. Yes, one or two of them was enough, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, some people were complaining that uh, they had hidden it, that there's only iCloud Sync in the App Store version. Well, that's true of anything. If you don't buy it from the App Store, you don't get iCloud Sync. It's as simple as that. These people were acting as though they, they were being um, conned, that they wanted to sync via iCloud, but they didn't want to buy it in the App Store. Well, the two go hand in hand and there's nothing that you can do. So um, there were a lot of complaints. What I did was I thought version 3 came out and I think it was 2008 or 2009. I think it was 2009. It's four years and it isn't that expensive considering what the app does, which is it's like insurance as far as I'm concerned. There's no way without it I would be able to secure as much as I do and have access to it in as many places as I do which is something we'll be talking about later. So, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Mm, to, so to me, I think the update's something like $25, $26. It's worth every penny. I would pay 10 times that because it's that good. But what I thought was, in my mind, they had developed it quite a lot with version 3. So I went back and I tried to find a list of changes from version 3 and all the incremental version 3s right up to version 4. And I found one. So I, I'll put a link in the show notes. And you should see how much work has been done on that app. These are not developers who sit around and then put a week's work in it and put a new version out. And some of the comments were just laughable. They really were. I think that is the one application that I would be prepared to pay for. The only other issue that I've had with it, I've not found a solution to this yet, but I'm going to have to. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, there are browser extensions and you need these browser extensions obviously, for it to work in the browser. But because I'm using Chrome on various operating systems, I've got it on Mountain Lion, Lion, Snow Leopard, I'm going to need two different versions of the extension because I'm running two different versions of the application. And you know what Chrome does with extensions? Synchronizes them. Yes. So when I inadvert... Well, no, I did this deliberately. Hands up. I did this deliberately. When I deleted it off my main Mountain Lion machine, I obviously didn't think about the impact of that on my snow leopard machine did i no i um, don't know how i'm going to fix that <laughs> no and when i installed the extension on chrome here and then went to work and ran chrome it automatically tried to install the uh, extension on chrome at work and said do you need the app and of course i don't have the app <laughs> Yeah, that needs a bit of work. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. As I sit here in the studio looking at my other iMac, I've got two extensions and I've no idea which is which. So mm, it looks like you can uninstall on a, on a per machine basis. I don't know. I'm going to have to look into that. Chrome extensions, bit of a minefield, I'm afraid. But uh, yes, I'd like a better way to manage the extensions, to be honest, because now I'm in a bit of a pickle. But there you go. And um, another app which... Um, they brought a new version out of an app called Screens. I'm sure I've talked about this. Absolutely adore Screens. Screens works on your Mac and on your iOS devices, and it allows you to tunnel through to your Mac. And you've actually recently started using it at work, haven't you? Yeah, it's a great app. It allowed me to log onto my machine at home, actually drag a file onto my desktop, drag it up to um, Dropbox, and then uh, stick it on my iPad. Yeah, it's it's a 
there are quite a few apps that do exactly the same job and I think I've probably bought most of them. Um, but I stuck with screens and they bought out this new version um, when iOS 7 came out. And um, again, the old one disappeared. So if you preferred the old one, then the, you know, the old one disappeared. And there is no way of going back with that. And I do think the new version um, needs iOS 7. So I had to make sure, triply make sure I had an old version because on my iPad 1 and my old iPhone, you know, I'm not putting iOS 7 on it. So that was something else that I had to think about. So be very careful out there, people, when you are managing your applications and back up everything at least three times because something will happen. Trust me. More on screens later. I'll be coming back to that. Yes. And uh, let's move on. Hmm. Go on. Where do we start? Where do we start with this one? Uh, after our exclusive reveal of the new iTit, it's uh, nice to see somebody running with the idea. We are a complete inspiration. We certainly are. Can I just say that you found this story and, and it blew my mind. The image accompanying the story was scary enough, but can I just say, the video left me completely speechless. Well, I've not had the pleasure or the misfortune. I'll leave it until after the recording, but we will put it in the show notes so everyone else can see it. I, I highly recommend that you suffer along with me. Um, now, how are we going to explain what on earth we're talking about? Well, never underestimate the ingenuity of an, of an idiot, I, I think would summarise it. Um, people were using... How shall I delicately put this? Body other, parts. Well, that's the one way of putting it. I was going to put other appendages other than a finger to access the fingerprint thingy on an iPhone 5S. Luckily, I've not been party to this. I do not have an iPhone 5S. Um, are they insane? Let's just let them watch the video. Well, it was a bloke, but it, it, it got terrible after that. And, and, you know, what they were doing was apparently... How on earth can I put this delicately? Apparently, your nipple is as unique as a fingerprint. Who knew? Who thought to test that? What kind of twisted mind sits there and thinks, I wonder if that would work? Because I can honestly say it did not come to my mind. No, but I don't then, think of course, Johnny did either. Well, I'm hoping Johnny didn't. <laughs> but then, of course, blokes. Yeah, you know what blokes are like. Mm. Photocopying their backsides. Yes, sort of. That was where the other appendages came in. I'm reliably informed that works as well. So, sorry to leave you with that image if you're listening while you're eating, but, oh, please. Luckily, that wasn't on the video, but what kind of people? Or is it me? Am I old and staled and boring now? Mm. Mm. I don't think I am. I think I'm quite trendy. (laughs) But that's not the point. It'd never work if you'd been to your piercing parlour, would it? No. Or maybe it would. I'm going to put this out to the MacBiters. I I want feedback on this. Have you tried it? Did it work? And do you have any metalwork attached? I think that should cover it, shouldn't it? I think so. But moving swiftly along with the the rest of iOS 7. Yes. um, What I've I've done is I've gone through iOS 7 as I've been using it. And uh, I'm not going to talk about isn't, doesn't it look nice, doesn't it have nice round icons, etc, etc. I actually want to look at it from a, a practical aspect. So the first thing that struck me, because I've got uh, a password on my iPhone, is that when you type in the numbers on, on your passcode and you get them wrong, which I invariably do, <laughs> it doesn't come up and say no wrong password message. It just buzzes at you. Interesting. That yeah, could be, well, you see, if you link that with the last story, buzzing could, could be quite informative. 
Yes. This is why, because certain parts of your anatomy don't have eyeballs. But the thing is, you don't know which number you've pressed wrong. So, you know, I, I got in a total mess there of trying to put my passcode in. I must admit, I tried it on your phone because my phone doesn't have one unless I'm leaving the house, which isn't often. It don't get out much. It's very sad. And what, what freaked me out was, you know, when you... The numbers are now circular, aren't they? Whereas yeah. it used to look much easier, to be honest, yeah. to access it. But when you look at it, no numbers were coming up anywhere. There were no like dots appearing. And then I realised they were very, very faint just above the keypad. And I was used to seeing something that was very bold in front of me. Mm. So I must admit, I made exactly the same mistakes that you did. I wasn't sure whether I'd put, you know, even the right number of digits in. Did that one register? And I ended that was up exactly. Yeah, I ended up getting into a, a complete mess with it, and it started going mad with me. So I had to leave it alone because I didn't know if it locked after X number of mistakes. And the way I was going, we could be locked out till Christmas. <laughs> so I wasn't impressed with that. I didn't think that was an improvement. No, of course, all no. of this is to get you to buy a 5S. Thumbs down for that one. What I did like, and maybe I'm just sad, is the clock icon, the one for the alarm and the stopwatch and so on, is now a live clock. So instead of looking at the top where it's as clear as day in a digital readout, you have to take your glasses off and squint at it and now you're happier. Well, no, I just thought it was kind of cool. Oh, dear me. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, another one is the, the O2 signal, which used to be bars, is now little white dots. I didn't think that was an improvement. I thought it took up more room. It does take more room. I'm not saying these are improvements. I'm just saying these are things I noticed. No, these are the things you complained about to me at the time, I think. I probably did. You did. Now, as everyone knows, I work in a field in Cheshire, so until we got Wi-Fi in our building, I was stuck with the GPRS, which is the little uh, the little blue dot or white dot, where it, it will either have the Wi-Fi signal, the Wi-Fi logo, or the, um, the, the 3G. But it now actually says, instead of the dot, it now actually says GPRS. That's just to confuse people. Yes. Because there's probably people who have no idea what that is. People have no idea what the blue dot was either. No, but they would just assume there was something new <laughs> if there was a blue dot on something. <laughs> True. Do you know, True. I reckon you're the only person left using GPRS. Most other I people have moved on to 4G now, you know. Yes, that's true. Uh, what else was the photos? Photos are organised by date by default, which I didn't like. That's like the, uh, the events in iPhoto. I've no idea what it did with mine, but whatever it had done with them by default, I didn't like it. Something like, um, I don't think it was date. It, it was grouped by some weird thing and I had to turn it back to the old thing. All you do is tap, well, all I did was tap albums, the albums button at the bottom of the, the photos. Yeah, but you were like three hours ahead of me because I was still trying to put the passcode in. True. But um, what it does then is it gave me two albums. One was my um, roll, my camera roll, and the other was videos. Hmm. The calendar threw me because I'm used, I was used in the calendar to using list view. And of course, I, I just couldn't find a list view. Now... It turns out there is a list view by clicking the magnifying glass at the top. Which I don't like at all. Because no. I think if you're on a 5S or a 5, you've got a bigger screen and you could still see a certain number of appointments. But on a 4S that I'm using and the 4 that you're using, it takes up a little bit too much of the screen. Yeah. And the other thing was that sometimes you've got at the beginning of an appointment, you know, like we've got some events coming up and they're Vector Basics 101. Mm. You can't read the end of it the screen isn't wide enough and what happens when you turn it sideways you get a five-day view that freaked me out i was expecting the <laughs> list view 
<laughs> yes, it was I. So I binned it. And um, I'm using something I'm sure we've mentioned before, which is um, Pocket Informant Pro. Yes, Fabulous. I think, I think we've talked about Fabulous that. app. Absolutely fabulous. It has a proper list view and a million more things besides. So um, I'm not using that built-in calendar thing. I, I don't like it. I don't like the changes that they've made to it. So it doesn't suit me, I'm afraid. But Pocket Informant Pro is absolutely fantastic. So happy to recommend that one. Now, if you swipe, um, I'm just trying to do this. If you swipe, if you've got a uh, your text messages up and you, you're in a thread and you have all the little bubbles and you swipe from right to left and you hold your finger, it actually shows you the time of the text messages. Yeah, I could have tried that, but iMessage totally died on me and I'm having to use Google Handouts if I actually want to contact people. Uh, yes, that's, that's <laughs> so, working So I'll try that when it's actually working again, but my iMessage was um, not good. I didn't actually like the display as well. You know when you type in your message yeah. and it goes from where you've typed it in to up in the window? Yeah. It kind of slides behind the Chrome and it looks unfinished to me. It does. So that it? freaked me out to start with. But no, I couldn't get iMessages through. I ended up having to send them as text messages. So um, we had a little bit of fun and games, didn't we, while we tried to change over to Google Hangouts. Uh, that didn't yes. work too well at the beginning. Do you want to admit why? No. No, I, I wouldn't. Remember. I didn't think you would. You didn't have the app installed, did you? Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. That was like a big showstopper. <laughs> You said, like, I'm getting no notifications. It does help if you've got the app installed for the notifications. So happy to report Mike now has the app installed and um, it's a nice alternative to iMessage in a crisis. Going back to text messages, um, one of the things that I wanted to do was to delete an individual text message because what was happening was that I sent you an iMessage and it never completed the send. It's when iMessage was misbehaving, which it probably still is misbehaving. Uh, wouldn't know because I've not used it for a week. But I ended up... <laughs> yes, I admit this one. This is another one of Mike's great admittances. Deleting all the text messages that I've had from you on my phone because I deleted the entire thread. So apparently, if you want to delete an individual text message, you need to tap and hold on the message speech bubble and then a little menu comes up and you tap on more and you can delete the individual text message. So... All my little iMessages to you, ever, you've managed to delete. Oh, I can get them back. They're in a backup. It's not in Time Machine, is it? No, it's in my mobile backup. I can get it back through some jiggery-pokery. Well, I shall expect you to jiggery and pokery, and I shall expect <laughs> you to report back next week. Now, what else did I do to you? Oh, yes, call blocking. Oh, yes, you did that to me as well, didn't you? Yes, I've I been a guinea pig this week for you. wanted to test that out. So you blocked me. I blocked you, Good yes. job the unblocking worked, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. Can you ring me? Thing. He said. So I did. And what did I get? <laughs> oh, good. It's not working. You know. Oh, good. Well, actually, it is working. I blocked you. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, what else was there? The music app. The music app's changed. Um, it's now got cover art. I don't know. Are you Spotify? Uh, well, I don't. I use the music app. But yeah, it's got cover art for the albums. And if you turn it landscape, which of course I very rarely do because of my um, sensitive wrist action. I'm not saying a thing. It actually shows the cover art for each track. Because one of my colleagues at work had a, a list of tracks and they were all very, very similar in terms of the starting uh, characters and starting words of the tracks. And you can't see the end 
of the track. And this was one of the issues I had years ago, wanting to change the font size of all the tracks, because it's a bit of a problem when you've got all those albums, what they call now, now, what are they called? Now that's what I call music. That's right, now that's what I call music. I'm old enough to, to remember number one. But I don't admit that publicly. Whoops. But you can't you can't see the whole text. But if you actually turn the music app landscape, it does show the cover art for each track. Unless you'd have no cover art. In which case no you think it's broken. No metadata. Exactly, exactly. She said it was blank. And I'm guessing it was because there was no cover art and no metadata for all the tracks. So, not completely idiot proof then? No. Um, I think those are all the things that I found with iOS 7 that I like and dislike. Hmm. I found one that I did like because, you know, when you're closing apps, the way that they have now got your closing apps, I didn't think was instantly logical to me. I, I tried to hold my, my finger on, on the icon at the bottom when you go into the multitasking view. Um, and then I realised it wanted you to sort of flick upwards. That's very similar to Android. Android displays them in a list, but instead of going from right to left, the list goes top to bottom. That's actually easier to use the swipe to close because you can still use one thumb. And as you swipe, the next one moves down and so forth. But with this one being a swipe up rather than a swipe left or right, to me, it took longer to close all the apps. Until I discovered that you can actually close multiple apps with either a two-finger or a three-finger swipe upwards. So I liked that until I somehow managed, no idea how I did this, I was trying to close two or three, and it did, it closed them. The window of the app disappeared above the icon, but unfortunately the icon was left behind. And I don't think that actually managed to close the app. So then I got into a right mess not to turn the phone off. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think we're quite all there with that. But it is it is faster, you know, when you're going through and you want to close all your apps. Yeah. I actually thought the old way was much quicker. But if you do it with two or three fingers, you can uh, close three at a time. But I still prefer the old way. That's just me. Or sideways, do it left to right. But all they've done is sort of copy Android, but change it and make you swipe up. But I'm not overly keen on that, I must admit. Did like um, the spirit level, which is in the Compass app. You open the compass up and you drag from the right and you get this spirit level thing. Like that one. Yeah, um, we've actually got a spirit level app. Well, I've got a spirit level app on my phone, which I put on for you. Did you? Yes. You were doing some DIY. I wanted a spirit level. Yeah, that would be right. I'd be doing the work and you'd be playing with the phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, now there's one in there and it actually worked quite well. So I like that. When it, when it was level, it went green. So it was easy to see when you're holding it in an odd place. I'm not thinking about holding phones in odd places. I had enough of that for one night. One of the things I spotted that I thought, not too sure about the logic of that one, was um, night mode for maps. And that it was on the Apple website and they said, when you're driving and looking at your map, and I thought, just a minute, back up a step. What do you mean driving and <laughs> looking at the map? But the idea of it is that you don't get blinded by turning your phone on when it's dark. So you can use this night mode thing, but... Don't read a map and drive. For passengers only, obviously. Absolutely. For passengers only, have some sense. Apple should have said that, honestly, because there would be somebody doing that. But that's not wise. It's not wise. Um, one of my other problems, and I don't like this at all, is when I'm processing mail. I tend, I use Sparrow on my phone, and I love Sparrow. That just works perfectly. Uh, when I'm on my iPad, there was never a Sparrow, sadly, for iPad, and I use the built-in mail app. When I'm actually processing it, uh, I swipe a mail, 
and I get two options. There's the more option. And because my mail's on Gmail, I get an, a, an option to archive. So if you're not on Gmail, if you're on iCloud Mail, you get a delete option. But I wanted to archive it. So I'm swiping to the left and tapping archive. And of course, it then archives that mail and it highlights the next mail. And I want to swipe to the left and hit archive on that one as well. But what's happening is, I, I guess I could be going too fast to do it. But I swipe the first one, it highlights the second one. I swipe and as soon as I tap archive, it kind of twangs back. So as I've swiped to the left to see the menu, it twangs it back from the left and I have to do it twice and that happens repeatedly. So it's just not fast enough when it comes to processing that mail. I really don't like that one. One that you had to show me was the search. Um, maybe I forgot about it um, you know, when they showed it off first time, but I just couldn't find the search. You know, when you scroll back to the first page, you had to show me that you mm. had to drag downwards. Mm. As I pointed out to you, um, it wasn't a case of I didn't remember from the demo. There was actually the last page of instructions before you got into iOS 7 told you where that was. So you just didn't read it, did you? Oh, that's right. Yes. Yes. It said, this is how you now use Spotlight. And you just said, yes, yes, yes. Let me in. Let me play. And then <laughs> lost the flaming thing. I actually think that's that's a big benefit because you don't have to go back to the homepage to find it. Mm, I like very that. Very true. Um, I think that's a, an improvement. It's not obvious it's there, I'll grant you. And of course, when you're using the thing and you're, you've now got swipes from the left, the right, up from the bottom. Ugh. Um, the swipe up for the control centre. Well, it didn't work for me and um, it didn't work too well for you either, did no, it? No, it didn't. No. I'm sure, though, I have swiped up from the bottom before and it was OK, but it wasn't having it. Um, a swipe up from the bottom was not working and... I instantly worked out what it was. I took my phone out of the case and it was the case. So I needed a new case. Any excuse to spend money? And I'm happy to report my new case has now arrived all the way from China and um, I'm happy with it and now it works. The case I had was um, a black silicon thing and at the bottom... Um, you only it only left it's very thin silicon but it's I love my case it's a great case it's about £1.50 I think it was a complete bargain and I loved it and this was after we'd spent 50 quid on bumpers if you remember remember those good green mine's broken oh boy were we conned away. yes were we conned with those um so I decided I was just going to get an interim case and then I was going to look round and find one. And when I got this thing, I just liked it. It, it worked great. So it covers the whole of the back. Um, you, you've got holes for the necessary bits and it covers the whole home button. So there was a solid piece of silicon right across it. And of course, that meant that I couldn't put my finger and swipe up because it was covered. So I've gone for exactly the same kind of case, black silicon with roses on. Mm, it's really nice. Um, but it doesn't cover up the home button. So what my phone feels like new. It's got a new operating system on it in a new case. And this one cost, wait for it, £1.60. So for £1.60, it feels like a new phone. Yeah, and I've got one as well. So, uh, But it's not the phone. one that's covered with roses. No, it's not got covered with roses. It's covered in caterpillar tracks. No, it's not. Isn't it? No, turn it over. That's not Caterpillar Tracks. I, we got the big butch one for you. Obviously, it didn't work. The, no. the one with tyre tracks on. Oh, tyre tracks. Yes, it's tyre tracks. Tyre tracks. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> the other thing that drives me insane with iOS 7 is the print option. It no longer remembers the last printer. 
Now, I only use one printer and uh, it's Printopia. And I only ever, I've got multiple printers set up on Printopia, but I only use it to send it to one of my Macs. And it used to remember it. So once I'd sent it to that printer, it remembered it. So I just had to tap print. Okay, and I was done. It now doesn't remember the last printer. Because of that, I've got to go into sort of three levels down to choose the same printer repeatedly. Now, Apple, honestly, that's just the lack of attention to detail. I can't imagine why they would do that. That's the kind of thing in Keynote that drives me mad when everything resets itself. There's no need for that. That That's a backward step as far as I'm concerned. You've probably not even noticed that, have you? I haven't. No. And some of the buttons look completely unfinished, but it, I'm less concerned about the fact the buttons look like wireframes and more concerned about the fact that I've now got to... I've got to tap at least twice more to get to print something out. I mean, good grief. I can't be doing this. But you know what I'm coming on to now, don't you? I do. The most serious issue with iOS 7. It made itself known almost immediately. In fact, I captured the moment for you. So let's go back in time to the moment, the very moment, that the install completed on my iPhone 4S. Or, as we prefer to call it here... MacBytes Siri. Are you done yet? Are you done yet? Is this it? Is this iOS 7? What have they done to you? What have you two clowns done to me? I sound like I'm talking from the bottom of a drain. Restore me immediately. Way to go, Siri. You tell them. Whoops! On a massive scale. What were Apple thinking? Siri sounded terrible. Absolutely terrible. I thought I'd broken him. <laughs> Things were not good for a while. I had to Google and um, it was all to do with Apple saving some space by not enabling enhanced voice. Couldn't see why on earth they would do that. Uh, you were saving around the 236 meg mark. And I think on any iPhone, you don't need to save 236 meg. It also effectively crippled a flagship feature of what was brought out with the 4S, so I could not see the logic in that. But luckily, there is an option, but it's in the most ludicrous place to find it. So I will put that in the show notes, but it's it's in your system preferences on the phone and it is drill down, drill down, drill down. And when you get down there, there is an innocuous little slider that says enhanced. And which when you, doesn't work for me. Which isn't working for you, no. So your Siri sounds terrible. But when you slide this thing across, what is supposed to happen is you get a blue progress bar and things gently flow across and 236 meg of stuff is downloaded and then Siri is re restored to his former glory. That's better. Now little Missy do that again and your data is history. I cannot see why they would do that because I don't think where you set it to enhanced again is in a logical place and you certainly wouldn't have found it, would you? No. No, I was worried there for a while about poor Siri. So was Siri. Uh, yeah, so Siri's now back to his... Uh, in fact, I think he sounds better, don't you? He does sound better. He always pretty much understood me in the first place. I didn't really have that problem where he was coming back with don't understand, don't understand. But um, I would say Siri's much improved <clears throat> eventually after a little bit of a false start sorry about that siri 
But if you have waited to install iOS 7, go and get your little toes wet and uh, I'll put a link in to a whole list of things of how what you should do before you take the plunge with iOS 7. So, um, well, give it a go, I'd say. Wouldn't you overall? Definitely, I like it. Mm. Although in your case, it was a good job you kept iOS 6 and an old version of the Sky app, wasn't it? Yes. Because the new iOS 7 shiny, shiny Sky app isn't working properly. So if it you've worked got, for me on Saturday. It worked during the game, um, but afterwards it just kept stopping and starting, which is yeah. the problem with it, apparently. So again, keep old apps. You never know when you're going to need them. And of course, there's never a good time to pay for new software, but iOS 7 prompted a slew of paid updates and a whole range of complaints about them as well. We discussed the Omni apps and um, the pricing they were trying to give people who had bought in the App Store. Um, upgrade prices and Apple were not pleased. Um, there was a very interesting interview with Ken Case, who is um, top chap at Omni, and I shall put a link to that in the show notes as well. And he made a point that there should be a distinction between apps that are virtually throwaway 69 pence games and apps that, that people have an investment in. And I've got to agree with him. When you think about apps, I mean, there are probably apps that we've even paid more than 69 pence for that you no longer use but i do think all the omni apps i did pay a good price for them all and i do use them all so i think he's, he's potentially got a point with that if i say apple won't listen judging by what happened last time they will so i'm going to say an apple won't listen so you heard that here so if they do that's totally down to me absolutely um it was just a very expensive day the day ios 7 was released there was OmniFocus for iPhone, which was £14. OmniPlan for iPad, uh, the second version, which was £40. There was also OmniOutliner for iPad, which was something like £21. And then a couple of days later, OmniGraffle for Mac. Gorgeous, but a $100 upgrade. So um, again, lots of people complaining about that. What do you think about paying that much for app updates? Because obviously there is no update prices, so you're paying what they consider to be the full amount unless they discount it for everybody. You've got to pay it, simple as that. If you want the app, you absolutely have. Yeah. I think with um, the Omni Group, though, I know that they're going to be there for support. So it's all about trust, isn't it? That's it. It's not just the app, is it? It's you know, it's the customer service. Exactly. You could have a fantastic app, and you'd be willing to pay, you know, up to forty, fifty pounds for it, and then you find out it's dead tomorrow because they've sold out to Google. That's the usual story, isn't it? The thing with the Omni Group is they've got a track record, and I do tend to trust them. So, I bought everything that I needed. Um, another app which came out, and there was a new version, was Clear. Remember that. That app that didn't do clear. much. Yeah, it didn't do much. And we wondered whether people would be bothering to use it, you know, after a certain few months. But, but, but people are. People do like it. And um, they came out with a completely new version. And the distinguishing factor was it had an iPad version. So you did have to rebuy it. But there was something different with it that it had the iPad version included. And there was also a special launch price. There were still vehement complaints. And I must admit, I, I did seriously, seriously think about that one. It's from Real Mac Software, and I've had quite a few of their apps over the years. And they worry me. They do worry me. I'm not anywhere near as worried about the Omni Group as I am Real Mac. Because one of the things they did lately that bothered me greatly was they had an app called Little Snapper. And don't think you ever actually used that, did you? Maybe once. Um, it was a thing, uh, an app that you took screenshots with. You could also import 
images from the web and you had a sort of little local library, a little bit like Skitch used to be, only it was nowhere near as lightweight as Skitch. And when it came out, it wasn't cheap. You know, you're looking at 35, 40 pounds for this thing. But I liked what it did and I liked the way it enabled you to mark up the images. So I bought it, as you do, not as I do. And um, they then put on, on the back end of this thing a service called Ember. And that was a paid for service. So you had little snapper on the desktop and you could post your images to Ember and people could rate them and post comments on them. And I think it was about £12 a year, something like that. So it wasn't overly expensive. And it was more for people who were like creatives who were showing off work. Now, clearly at that point, you're thinking, well, software as a service is, is their goal. And I did use the Ember service. I liked it. There were no adverts and stuff like that. So, so I liked the service. And then I thought, you know, they didn't actually update Little Snapper much. What they did do was take it into the App Store, ask you to pay again. You know, now get it from the App Store. Um, they did make the price much, much cheaper. So we were talking a couple of pounds rather than nearly 40. The problem with it was it then went in the App Store and it, it kind of languished for a long time. There was no major updates to it. And I found that all the more surprising because Skitch at the time was committing Harry Carry really. And I thought they could have had an opportunity to take some of the Skitch market, but no, they didn't. And then out of the blue, they came out with a completely new application. And um, oh, actually, no, what, what happened before they came out with a new application was they decided that they would terminate the Ember service. So it was gone. Um, if you'd paid for it, just tough, you know, it's dying tomorrow was the gist of it. And away it went, which left you with a desktop app and no way to share it other than, you know, using another service, which seemed odd to me. But then, and this was a good while after that, so it was at least 18 months after they killed the Ember service, that a brand new app came out. And guess what it was called? What was it called? Ember. Mm. Oh. Yeah, it's not the online service. It is an app. And it, this app is essentially a complete rewrite of Little Snapper. And again, they want 35 99 for it. It doesn't even do as much as Little Snapper did. And they've pitched it slightly differently. So it's in the App Store. It's £36. And they're trying to sell it as a creative app. So, you know, something like your precedent file, where, where you find images that you like and you, you keep them for reference. Well, an app that does that. But it doesn't do everything that Little Snapper did. There is no upgrade path. People are spitting bullets um, who bought Little Snapper. And I've got to agree. This isn't the first time that's happened with Real Mac. So when they then said, OK, here's clear and you're paying again, I must admit, I thought I'm drawing the line here because I'm, I'm not prepared to keep doing that. If you if I adopt an application as part of my workflow, so if Little Snapper became part of my workflow, I expect incremental updates, not terminations with no notice. And yes, I appreciate there is a new app that has taken its place. But one, they want me to pay the whole lot again. What happens next time? You're going to abandon that and, and call it version three of whatever. I'm not trusting you. That's the problem. I'm prepared to pay the amounts that are not inconsiderable for Omni apps because I trust the company. And you're not doing anything to make me trust you when you just ditch an app, bring out another one, doesn't even do as much and you're charging more for it. So I drew the line at that point, I'm afraid. And it's all to do with workflow. I haven't got the time 
to just say, oh, right, OK, you've abandoned that. There's this one instead. I'll move over to that. Oh, dear, it doesn't do everything I need it to do. Now you want me to supplement it by doing what? By waiting for you to add features to it that the old one already had. Are you insane? It's like buying a car. It used to have four wheels and now it's got three or worse still, two. I don't understand the logic of that. I really don't. So that to me looked just money making, unfortunately. So I didn't partake of that. Um, while we're talking about software like that, Screen Steps surprised me as well. I've used Screen Steps since Alpha and Screen Steps wasn't cheap. So it was an investment um, I was prepared to make because I hadn't found an application like it. What I used it for was my training instructions. So if I write a procedure for something, you know, how to do a mail merge in Word, I can do it in Screen Steps and it takes care of the formatting and things like that. It's easier to write it in Screen Steps and it was cross-platform. But it was an investment and it, it was more of an investment when it came to version two because they added a library mechanism. And that library mechanism made it very difficult for us to share what we'd written, didn't it? Mm. So you would have a library, I would have a library. I could export from my library and then you could import to your library. But at that point, we're not editing the same thing. And I hated that. Yeah, we also had a problem with Dropbox, didn't we, trying to share it across that? It didn't play nicely with Dropbox at all, which I can understand because whatever was going on in the library, um, no, it, it didn't do that at all. In fact, it didn't like Dropbox if only one of us was editing it at a time. So no, it didn't really like that. I did put my templates in Dropbox and then put a symbolic link to them. But to, to be honest, it just became, you know, I'm spending more time trying to manage this. The other problem was it was Java based because it was cross platform. But as I say, it was the best for what it did. And the other thing was it had an online back end service to it that I could post these things to. But again, software as a service was clearly the goal of the company. So a continuing revenue stream, which I understand from a business perspective. But from a customer perspective, you really do have to think, is a customer going to go for that? There was a sort of price comparison in terms of, in, in my mind, if I'm going to pay for it as a service, then I'm going to have to work out how many years before I expect to update and what the cost of that would be. In the meanwhile, they bought out another application called Clarify, and there was a huge overlap of features between Clarify and Screen Steps. Clarify worked in the way that Screen Steps 1 used to work. It saved each individual file. And although there was a huge overlap of features, I thought personally there was enough differences to buy both. So I did. What I was looking at the other day was I was wondering why I was seeing one icon for screen steps on my machine, which is an old looking thing, and another online. And I found a blog post that said that screen steps as a standalone application is now abandoned. And I thought, pardon, I'm a user and you haven't sent me an email about that. Obviously, you can carry on using it, but as ever, when the operating system is updated, you're going to have to battle with it potentially. How long will it will it carry on working? What they've done with it is they are going to put, well, there is a Screen Steps online service now and they expect you to use that on a monthly fee basis. Not, not perfect, not by a long way. And the problem I've got is I can't take Screen Steps files and put them into Clarify. I can take Clarify files and put them into Screen Steps, but it's Screen Steps that they've just terminated. So I'm not going to want to go that way. 
And there are things that Clarify does not do. It does not post to WordPress blogs for a start, whereas ScreenSteps does. And that was one of the big reasons for me using it. What they're saying is, as I carried on reading this piece, is that when Clarify 2 comes out, they will add a lot of features to Clarify 2. They did not say to bring it up, you know, up to, to par with screen steps, but they will add a lot of features. But just a minute, Clarify 2, it isn't even in beta yet. So what am I supposed to do in the meanwhile? I've now got an application that's been abandoned and another one that doesn't do what the first one did. And you're back to trusting the company. My first thought was to find something else from somebody else which i was just going to make that same point that you know the software can be as as good as it as as as, as good as good mm. um but it's down to trusting the company and the customer service exactly now i mentioned um, an app called screens which was the one that i used to access my uh, macs remotely either from in the house so uh, i'm downstairs with the dog quite a bit as he's not very well and um, I need to access my Mac to do something with it and Screens is the one I use. I must have a dozen of these apps, seriously I must, but Screens just kind of worked the way I wanted to work. So as I said there was a new app and it was a pay again option and for the iOS version it was, I went with Screens originally you know because there was a desktop version of it so instead of using a remote desktop, which at the time was really expensive from Apple, uh, screens was something like £10. And I think remote desktop was about 200 So there was a Mac app with it as well. And I thought, I like the fact there's an iOS app and a Mac app. Um, but to be honest, I don't use the desktop app as much as the iOS app. So it was a new app and it was 13.99, which for any application, you know, that, that's towards the high end, isn't it? ridiculous yeah, when you when you think how much windows software used to be it seems silly to say that's towards the high end but it is for ios it's as simple as that i did pay again uh the old one vanished from the store but as i said i did have a copy of it and straight away i had a problem and my problem was the features that had been added were enough to make me want to upgrade there was um copying and pasting between ios and my mac which i was going to really look forward to and the other thing was it handled multiple monitors better. And obviously most of my Macs have got two screens. So the features that have been added, I thought were, were potentially going to be great for me. And straight away I had a problem. When I connected to the machines, and they did connect, it was fine. But when I connected to the machines, I had a problem. And one of the screens was black. When I connected to a Mac with only one screen, the screen was black. You could it, it was connected and you could do things, but you had to make an app go full screen and then take it out of full screen to get the screen not to be black. And the problem is, obviously, you're, you're stabbing around in the dark because you can't see an app to make it full screen. So it was broken and uh, I freaked out. But I decided I would have to get in touch with support. And when you're working with an app via any app store from Apple, that developer doesn't know whether they've actually bought the thing or not. I mean, we can assume you have if you're reporting that there's a problem with it. But it must be very difficult for the developer, and I appreciate that. So I put in two support tickets with this thing. I had two separate problems with it. And I got a reply within a couple of hours um, fixing the first one. So one problem was fixed straight away. Uh, thanking me for reporting the second one and he was going to work on that. I then got another update mail the next day to say, OK, I've narrowed it down. I've got it. And I've put in a new version to the store. It will be fixed with the new version. The new version duly downloaded a couple of days later and it was fixed. And that's the kind of support that I'm interested in. 
I don't mind paying again for that app. You know, it was a different version, version three, I think it is of the app. I don't mind paying for it because I got really good support. So now I've got all the features that I had before, the black screens have gone, and I've got the new features that prompted me to upgrade in the first place. But don't be don't be doing like the other companies are doing because you're not getting my heart and mind. You're not getting anything at all. I am now very careful with software companies. If the if the software company has done something that concerns me, then I'm much less likely to upgrade. It's a matter of trust. And I think that is so important these days because you are buying blind. You're not really a customer of that company, are you? They don't know who you are. You're a customer of Apple in a lot of these cases. Not with screen steps, I will admit, unless you manage to uh, a clarify is available from the App Store. But, as I say, trust is so, so, so important. I don't know if you actually think like that when you're buying, if you or if you just say, do you think this is a good idea and leave it all to me? I do that. Yeah, it works better, doesn't it? Mm. Talking of software companies making strange choices, it was the Evernote conference last week. Did you take much notice of that? No, not at all. Mm, I was interested in some of the stuff. Um, they are partnering with Post-it Notes. So there is now integration. There is a new camera in Evernote um, that takes pictures of your Post-it Notes and based on the colour of them, we'll tag them for you. So uh, I shall put a link into all that. What interested me was there's some scanners that they've partnered with um, and there's a lot of things like that. And when you buy these things, you know we talked about the Moleskine Notebook? Mm. Whenever you buy these things, you tend to get the product, the physical product, and a year of premium. And I'm thinking they're partnering with so many different people. You could be ever noted up for years, couldn't you? You with could. With coupon codes. Uh, I did that with something. I got two years of Evernote for about £15. And um, that takes me through to 2014, I think. So, um, yes, I've done that. So that could happen. They've also got a new app centre and an Evernote market. And I was interested in the Evernote market because I thought, oh, it'll be all the interesting sort of integration stuff. And what did I find when I got there? Two things that didn't please me. What did you find? One was that it was US only. That is never good. That is never going to win me, heart and mind, I'm afraid. But the second was even worse. They're selling Evernote socks. Cool. No, I couldn't think of a reason why anybody would want Evernote socks. I'm sure I'm sure if 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 it had an Apple logo you'd want to buy it. No, they're hideous. They they're all striped and, and stuff, but that wasn't the worst of it. I mean, one, it's socks. Sorry, clothes, really? Seriously? Okay. Two, they are hideous. And three, did you see the price? I can't remember. I'll have a look because I I will put a link in the show notes. If the if you have not seen these socks, you need to see these socks. Um but $85 for five pairs. I was wondering how many pairs. Yeah, five pairs of socks, $85. Is this what people pay for socks? They're I, also men's. It, well, there you go. I can complain about that as well. They're no women's <laughs> socks. But they're hideous, aren't they? I mean, the colours of those socks. What, really? They're not great. They're stripy. They're horrible. What are Evernote thinking? Why socks? Scanners, notebooks, post-it notes, I can understand. But socks? No, no. They also released uh, Skitch 3, and they've, they've lost the icon. I rather like the icon for Skitch. They've gone for an arrow. Did you see that? Yeah, mm. I did. The app's improving, but to be honest, it's not the Skitch of old, is it? Unfortunately. No. But let's move on to Adobe, shall we? Oh, do we have to? Uh, first of all, I um, there was a blog poster that was tweeted about, and um, they were talking about tools for the new creative. 
Mighty and Napoleon, which we mentioned before, and it was two products that they announced, physical products, not new new apps, at Adobe Max. One was, um, it was a stylus, an intelligent stylus, wasn't it? That's the Mighty. And That's there was right. another thing called Napoleon, which was um, an intelligent digital ruler. And this was at their major keynote, their first huge keynote for 18 months. And these two things were talked about, and they got a lot of publicity. I thought at that point they were future products, didn't you? It sounded like it. It did to me. Apparently not. They have only just got approval to go into production. What? Oh. Can you imagine standing there, Steve Jobs saying, yeah, this is the iPad, we're thinking about making it. No, we're thinking about making it. This is the iPad. Look what it can do, isn't it? Shiny. Lovely, lovely. And then disappearing for six months. And then coming back and saying, yeah, you know what? We're thinking of putting those things into production. What? Mm. Apparently, that's that's where they're at. Now, I had just thought to myself a couple of days before I saw that, I wonder whatever happened to that stylus and that ruler that Adobe were talking about. And I couldn't find anything other than the original stuff. And then this thing came out. So mm, I think we can mark that down as going to be with us sometime never, don't you? <laughs> Sounds like it. I'm afraid so. And... That was where I was going to leave Adobe until they were hacked. Guess who? Guess whose credit card disappeared? Yes. Mm, not happy. I wasn't pleased with the fact they were hacked at all. But I that, what got me was that they seemed more worried about their source code than my credit card. I can honestly say I was more concerned about my credit card. And then it got worse. Yes. Um, they, this came out late Thursday night, I think, didn't it? And I thought, well, I don't know if I'm part of this. We were supposed to get an email, if we were. And I assumed they'd send that out before they told the press, but apparently not. So at that point, I didn't really know what to do about it. I didn't have enough information. Um, on Friday, early Friday, I did get the email that said um, to the effect of they potentially got your credit card details. Uh, they were saying that as far as they knew, it was encrypted. But there again, as far as they knew, they shouldn't have been hacked. And that they had instigated an automatic password reset. Do you remember when they did that before and I vented my spleen? Mm. Well, what happened last time was they did instigate an automatic password reset. So you could not log in with your old credentials. I don't mind resetting my password, but honestly, I've got one password to do it with. So I'm happy from that perspective. But tell me how long the maximum password is and tell me what characters I can use. And so few sites do that. It drives me insane. And what I found was I was trying to reset the password to something quite secure. It wasn't letting me do it. And then it turned out that the password reset had totally died as well. So they'd locked me out of my account. I had a webinar the next day and I could not get back in. So didn't exactly warm my very soul when I read we're instigating an automatic password reset. So I clicked the link and it took me to the password reset page. But then I thought before I do this, have they actually reset the passwords or not? So I went in another browser and I went to my Adobe page and I logged in and no, they hadn't. That's not an automatic password reset, is it? It asked me for a password reset. Yes, I know. But that was probably because that had been me venting my spleen with Adobe and the fact that you did it about four days later. Very true. Because I don't think you've ever bought anything from Adobe, have you? No. So they probably have. didn't have 
a credit card on file for you, whereas they do for me. So I guess that's why I got the mail early. But to tell me that they had reset my password when they hadn't, and I wasn't alone. Um, Kevin tweeted out on Twitter and said, I've just tried logging into my Adobe account, having got the mail, and uh, it's let me in. So I went back and said, yes, it did that with me. So I know that I'm not alone. That's not good. If you say you're going to do it, then do it and certainly do it after you've been hacked. The last time they instigated an automatic password reset, the accounts hadn't been hacked. It was some forum that they had hosted somewhere else. And they reset your main Adobe account password based on the fact that you may have used the same password for both services. So you reset it on that basis. But this time when you're hacked and you know that they've got access to that information, you don't bother or at least you don't bother for days. That is just poor, completely poor. Nothing really that you can do. So it's a matter of mitigating the effect. So luckily, I think we'd done as much as we could have done before they were hacked, don't you? We, we had. Yeah. yeah, what we do is we have an online only credit card and it has a low limit. So we've requested a low limit on this credit card. So if it's hacked and, uh, you know, identity theft, we're only going to lose a maximum of the low limit. Um, some of my credit cards have got a limit of 15,000. I do not want to use that card online, trust me. So this this credit card is the only credit card that either of us ever use online and it has a low limit. We also track where we use it so we know exactly where it's been used. At the point that we found out that they had been hacked, we had a decision to make, which was do we cancel the card or not? Um, and cancel in terms of really, I thought we could just request different credentials, you know, a different date and, and different um, three digit code. But apparently yeah. not. They actually reset the number as well. Yeah, the uh, the new one was not going to be sent out for seven to ten days. So like you say, we're going to get a new card number, a new expiry date and a new three digit thingy on the back, which they're all needed for the reoccurring online payments. Now, the reoccurring online payments that we use this card for, I think we were incredibly lucky. Um, all the recurring p payments had gone through before you cancel the card apart from one and the others weren't going out for beyond 10 days i just think we were lucky with that if that had been the first of the month we would probably have had four or five payments trying to be taken and they would have been rejected so we were just fortunate with that to be honest um, it was a matter of handling the fallout so we coped with that uh, the one that was due out on the 7th I had to change that. And luckily, I'm sure PayPal wasn't an option when I signed up for that, you know, or I would have used it. But luckily, PayPal was an option. So it's a swift way of just converting it to another payment method. If the only option was a credit card, then we would have had a problem because we're not going to get the new card for 10 days. Um, and the only other one that was potentially an issue was Amazon, and that went through early. So there was a recurring a payment for Amazon services, and it went through early. So there was just this one, and we moved it to PayPal. So I think we've actually learned something, haven't we? In addition to all the things that we'd already done right, I think lessons learned are you actually do need a secondary credit card for online only use again with a low limit and that's what we've sorted out isn't it yes but this low limit it has to be high enough if you want to buy an iMac well obviously um the other thing is i think i'd use paypal where at all possible because you can swap your credit card in paypal and you know it's transparent to all the services you're signed up to uh, the other thing is 
all the details, everything about your credit card in one password. I've never understood that business of, if you lose the card, please ring this number written on the back of the card. Yes. I must admit, maybe it, this is probably just going to be me. I do make a note of that number elsewhere. I think I have as just well. Just in case, yes. Uh, I do. And uh, I do have all the details in one password. And um, that's the best way to go about it, really. So if you're out and about and you hear about this, you could actually do all you have to do with it on the road. You're not tied back to home where you've got your information there. So... Um, Yes, lesson learnt, lesson learnt. But my lessons learnt, I don't know about Adobe, they, they must be insane because it was their idea to take things online and online only. You know, there are no box products anymore. If you're going to do that, you have to be ultra, ultra careful. And that's just sloppy. Uh, the way they've handled it was even sloppier. I did actually tweet to them and ask if they were going to pay for my time rejigging all these payments. I didn't get a reply, surprisingly enough. Luckily, I wasn't expecting one, but that's not the point. And um, together with complete ineptitude, I can honestly say, well, that was Adobe's ineptitude. Friday wasn't a good day here at MapBytes headquarters. Uh, it took me a while to sort out the Adobe mess. And then the post arrived. And among the usual bills was one from a pet registry. Pet registry. Yes. Apparently, when your pet is chipped, they register your details and they send you a confirmation letter. All right so far. Apart from the fact that this was a notification that my three-year-old black and white cat, called Wilson, had been duly registered. Uh, we haven't got a cat. Apparently, we have now. It worried me that. I mean, seriously, what use is a pet registry that doesn't know where the cat is before you've lost it? Never mind after. Mayor, of course, was most interested. Oh, you could say that. So ensued many days of him hunting around the house, playing Where's Wilson? I can't find Wilson unless you're logged into your Find My Friends account. Oh, don't worry about it, Siri. Mayor had no luck either. Do you mean Wilson Phillips? She might mean Harold Wilson. No, I found it. Let's hear Jackie Wilson. <laughs> Oh, there you have it. We appear to have acquired a cat called Wilson that does a remarkable rendition of Reet Petite. Yes, definitely. So, um, talking of cats and uh, cats like trees... Oh, that, that's, that stretches Is that a bit of a poor segue? Very. On to the app review. Well, I promised that I would look at an application. I'm not sure if I even said the name, but it's called Tree. And I promised I'd look at it uh, moving on from the recent look at Scapple from Literature and Latte, the digital back of a napkin brainstorming tool. So as promised, today's app review is looking at Tree, which is the next stage in my visual thinking process. So how I start out is with Scapple. I just throw the ideas onto the virtual page as text, uh, although Scapple can take graphics as well and I I, I visualise. It's sort of a mind map but, but not quite as structured. Um, when I move it into tree that's when I start structuring my information so I bring some structure to the visual thinking. Uh, tree can import OPML. Remember the discussion of the OPML? Yes. That. The usefulness of that to be honest is determined by the structure of the Scapple file. So within Scapple you can group elements together by drawing a box around them and if you do that's what creates the structure in the OPML file that you can then import into any application that supports reading of OPML. So obviously here in terms of tree. Once I get the information in there you can then start restructuring it uh, with just drag and drop. So it's very flexible. 
It's an outlining app. So Tree itself, the nearest, probably most people will have heard of Omni Outliner. That used to be given away with Macs many years ago. So if you're familiar with Omni Outliner, then you know what Tree is. It does exactly the same job. Uh, it's very flexible to drag and drop and reorder, and it's got great features for organising the information. So taking that information to the next level of organisation over and above Scapple, you can label each node. So each point that you have in your outline, you can label it with a colour. So it comes up as a little dot. You have the seven standard colours like Finder. But you can also rename those colours to make them more meaningful. So if you want to have them sort of pending review, reviewed, approved, then you can change that. You can also add numbers to each node that you've got and you can configure those as well for different numbering styles. So you could have the Harvard numbering or you could have letters involved in it. And they are both configurable globally in the preferences. So I could set up what I think I would like it to be most of the time, but then on a per file basis, I can make changes to that without changing my defaults. So that actually is really handy, really like that. And the other thing that you can put on nodes is you can have checkboxes. So if this is sounding remarkably like Omni Outliner, why would I be using this instead of Omni Outliner? Well, the biggest advantage for me is that there is a horizontal view. If you think of a tree structure and an outline file, it's very top to bottom. You can indent and indent and indent, but you're only indenting the text slightly from the left. A horizontal view actually puts your level two items in column two and your level three items in column three, and it just uses the full width of your screen. It's something that I've, I've wished that Omni Outliner had for years and years. And for organising this kind of information, I absolutely adore that view. So that is my number one feature with Tree, the fact that I can visualise far better than I can with a standard outlining app. There are regular updates from the developer and it does support OPML. So a lot of the time when I've done my organising and I'm happy with it and then I want to take it to the next level, I can export it as OPML and then open it up in Omni Outliner if I want to. The problems are with it, and it's not really a fair criticism of this application, but there is no companion iOS app and I would really love it if there were. So if I want to take this information with me onto iOS, then I have no choice but to export it as OPML and take it into Omni Outliner and then use Omni Outliner for iPad. Obviously, this is a smaller developer than the Omni Group as well. So although there are regular updates and I've only been using it for maybe five to six months, I don't know where you would be in terms of the development with it. And of course, there is a much narrower feature set than Omni Outliner. So the big beast in the outlining market is Omni Outliner. The thing is, Tree is only £10.50 or £14.99, $14 whereas Omni Outliner is $40 or $70 for Omni Outliner Pro. I can see the benefit of both, but if all you wanted, you know, it is a much cheaper option for an occasional user and it's got enough features to be able to create most outlines that you would need. So if that is if what you need it to do is in that feature set, then it's obviously easier to spend $15 than $70. And uh, 
if you've not tried Omni Outliner because of the price, then I can highly recommend Tree on its own. You've just got to think about that iOS part of it. Um, will it replace Omni Outliner for me? I doubt it because of the iOS version and I do edit outlines. I actually edit them less on iOS, but I use them on iOS. When I'm training, I probably have my running order in an outline file and I have it my iPad propped up next to me and I can just glance across to it and make sure that I've not missed anything out and I probably wouldn't do that on a, a computer screen I would do that on iOS so I don't see it replacing Omni Outliner for me but if Tree released an iOS app I would be there absolutely I would be there uh, Omni Outliner, of course, have released that brand new iOS app and it's stunning so I am using Tree on the desktop uh, I may take it into Omni Outliner on the desktop, but it's more likely I will take it to iOS, uh, to Omni Outliner. And of course, the benefit that Omni has, given the size of the company, is that they now have Omnipresence and the Omnipresence server for document syncing. And I found that document syncing is completely flawless. So I'm using that to synchronise it to my apps. I waited a long time to be able to easily transfer stuff to Omni Outliner. I think for Omni Outliner 1 for iPad, I was using it less because transferring documents was a nightmare but now it's there and it works I'm actually using that more but I can highly highly recommend Tree uh, either if you're new to outlining or you just don't need the power of Omni Outliner and as I say I'm using both so I shall put links in to the developer's site uh, himself you the, it, despite the fact that it is app store only there is a trial that you can get from the developer so if you just want to try it you could try it before buying it in the app store and as I say it is £10.49 or £14.99 and uh, that was stage two of my organising I could make a series out of this couldn't I you could mm, that might be a plan actually but that was step two so um we'll cover step three at some point but um yes can highly recommend that in fact you know what i thought i thought we'd go back to the very early days of mac bites and i could give it some golden bites it's a good idea i think i would give it four golden bites if it wants five i need an ios app but the app itself is um great i love it so uh, good app there tree from um Top of the Tree software, I believe it's called. But we are moving on to, are you ready? Mac, Mac Love, love Bites. <laughs> yes, we're getting in our groove here with three shows in a month. And we have a new Mac Love Bite. We do. Fraser from Aberdeen loves Scapple. Ah, maybe he'll try Tree now. Yeah, decided to try it after your review a couple of episodes back. Um, he loves mind mapping, but digitally it's too limiting. That was my problem. That's your problem as well. Yes. He uses a Mac at work and now intends to plan all his projects out using Scapple. Oh, well done, Fraser. That sounds great. I should look forward to hearing more about that. So, should we move on to feedback and comments? Yes, we heard from so, so many of you. Um, once again, thanks so much for all your mails, your tweets and your messages of condolence for Dad. Your sentiments were much appreciated. Happy to report we had the perfect service for him. It was absolutely all we could have hoped for. And um, I noticed so many of you are caring for loved ones. I had no idea. And believe me, my heart goes out to all of you. It has got to be the hardest job in the world. And we thought we were virtually alone, but it turns out that we're not. So if you are still looking after a loved one, you have my deepest respect. It is an amazingly difficult job. 
And in relation to that, we heard from Minster. This was an email from Minster and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing it with you. Hi all at MacBytes HQ. I just wanted to put a few words together about show 77. You never know, they may even make some sense, but I can't promise. As always, a new show of MacBytes is always highly anticipated and brings with it such a sense of danger. Do I tempt fate and listen while cycling to work? Is it safe to have my lunch? Minster, it usually isn't. The roller coaster that is a new show of MacBytes is always packed with a handful of emotions, a bucket load of knowledge and a heap of good humour. But the end of episode 77 took me to a new place. While riding home this evening, I'm not afraid to say that your very sad news really touched me. Yes, I'm a big softie at heart and it moved me to tears. Even while you were all going through that, what must have been a very difficult time, you still managed to produce an episode of Matt Bites for your loyal fans. I can't imagine how hard these last weeks must have been for you all. Please pass on my deepest sympathies to everyone at Match Bites HQ. My thoughts and best wishes go out to you. Best wishes, Gordon. Yes, Gordon is Minster. Minster, thank you so much. I promise you it will be service as usual and your tears will be laughter in future, I hope. So thank you very, very much for that mail. That was wonderful. And thank you everybody who wrote about that. That was much appreciated. And we are indeed trying to get back into the swing of things and we have some new events planned. We have an iBooks author webinar in the afternoon. So if you're at work and you fancy a little light relief on Wednesday, that is the 9th of October, then I will be talking about iBooks author and you can find details of that on macbyteslearning.co.uk and you're most welcome to join us. We also have for MacBytes Learning a whole new range of webinars. We have a new series called Vector Basics 101 and it will be running for four weeks from the 17th of October to the 7th of November. So take a look at macbyteslearning.co.uk for details of that. I've just realised the iBooks Author one's an iBooks Author training, isn't it? It is. Well, we'll put links the in the show place. notes anyway. You'll make sure that you take care of it all, yes, won't you? And it'll all just be wonderful yeah. Fine, I'll shut up then. You carry on. Okay, well, that's it. Oh. Yes, that's it for this episode of MacBytes. As always, we'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments and queries to us at macbytesuk at gmail.com. Use the contact form on the website or send us an audio file. We've not had one for a while, have we? You say that every week. Yes. We're going to have to tempt somebody. Did I say every week? Yes. No, never mind. Carry on. I don't um, want to get Minster excited. Leave us a comment on the show notes at macbytes.co.uk. Please keep sending in your Mac love bites and follow us on social media. Sign up for the newsletter at macbytes.co.uk. Follow us on Mac... Uh. <laughs> oh, my teeth! That's doing so well. You were, you were, you, you were motoring then, dear boy. I was. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash macbytes and follow me at twitter.com slash thomasmike. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash macbytes series. So until next time, this has been Mike and Elaine bringing you macbytes. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. What are you doing? I finally got it. You meant Wilson, Keppel and Betty. Sandbags win, bags camels with the hump. Fat girls, thin girls, some a little plump. Slave girls sold here, fifty bob a lump in the old bazaar in Cairo. Wilson, there you are, Wilson.